most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The best. Relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What is happening, everybody? Welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon of the Action Network. And this is our tight end fantasy preview episode for 2023. Here to break it down with me. Fresh off his uh, gambly wins, one of the top rankers in the game, Sean Turner. Sean, what's going on? Ooh, man, just recovering from our uh, very fun but very tiring New York trip. It was good to see everybody, but yeah, still recovering. How about you? Yeah, man, I'm chilling. It's uh, it's it was a long trip, um, but fittingly, you and I both won a gambly, which is I guess our company yes. version of the SBs or whatever. But uh, we both won one for uh, what was it best performance coming off a of bender. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know why they had to add the bender part. I mean, that was an element <laughs> that may be added to it, but um, I, I thought it was just a good show overall. Like, wh- why did the bender have to be included in that? Yeah, and, and for those that don't know, this is uh, this is like Bet What Happens Live show at uh, halftime of the Bucks Cowboys Monday Night Playoff game. So, uh, and I think by the end of that, you established Tom Brady was seventy years old. Yeah, I, I think, think he was he- eighty years old with the yips. Oh, okay, yeah, because he started off fifty, and then he gradually like you added ten years. Yeah, I mean Tom Brady, that he literally aged out of the league right there. Like we're not, (laughs) we're not seeing him play again, right? So um. yeah, yeah, that was that was a rough game. That was a game with all the missed extra points too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Brett Maher and Tom Brady. Oh my god! And then Zeke, you were explaining that play to me. Still one of the funniest plays of all time, but Zeke just getting trucked. No, was it that that was that that game or was that that was that was the next week? Zeke and Truck was the the, the Niners because that was the Cowboys won the the Bucks game. Remember? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So Zeke and Truck was the Niners game, but yeah, the <laughs> the explanation was that they they were gonna they were hoping to lateral to him. They couldn't throw to him legally, and, and you know they would have the whole O line to block for him. But the Niners mm. figured it out and, and just trucked him. But we digress. Uh, we're gonna <laughs> talk about tight ends on this episode. Uh, we're gonna go through the top twelve in, in ADP. Uh, in best ball over the last couple of weeks, also talk about uh, any guys outside the top 12 uh, that that we're targeting that we think are, are are good values and have a chance to finish top 12 for this season. So uh, without further ado, Travis Kelsey, I mean, there's a situation. It's going to happen one of these years. Some innocent person is going to pick their first round pick, look at you know all the wide receivers and running backs available and, and even quarterbacks, and they're going to say, you know what? positional scarcity tells me to go draft Travis Kelsey here. And one of these years, he's not going to pay off this draft pick. Is, <laughs> is it going to be this year uh, for Kelsey, who has shown no slowdown uh, to date? Yeah, no, I'm not betting against him this year. Uh, in fact, you know, it was, it was a couple of years ago, I did feel that by now we would see either Mark Andrews or maybe even Kyle Pitts possibly overtake Kelsey as the tight end one. But that's just not the case because, you know, Kelsey has shown no sli- signs of slowing down. I mean, he set career highs last year in his age 33 season for targets, catches, and touchdowns. Uh, granted, they play an extra game now, but either way, he's just he's not showing signs of slowing down. Um, so there's just a big gap still between him and the rest of the position. If you were thinking of all other positions, 
he has the best odds clearly, you know, to be the top scorer um, at the position. And it's usually by a wide margin. I think last year he had like, he was averaging six more points per, per game in PPR than the second ranked tight end. So uh, it's just a massive edge to have him on your team. So um, yeah, if you were to take him first overall, wouldn't be the craziest thing ever. I think, you know, fifth overall, I think makes a ton of sense, but if he's sitting there, um, and I have pick five. I am absolutely taking him still. Yeah, I usually take him starting with about pick uh, pick five, pick six, uh, mm-hmm. depending on the the format. You know, there, we'll, we'll talk wide receivers in the next episode, uh, so look out for that. But you know, uh, I, I still think there's a couple wide receivers. Obviously, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, definitely should be uh, in that conversation. McCaffrey, Eckler, uh, for me in that conversation. Some people have Eckler a lot lower, but. Um, yeah, there, there's a couple of guys that I, I, would, I would put right up there because I think they have a great chance at finishing number one at one of those flex positions. But uh, yes, no no issue with taking Kelsey. And again, you look at the – because it's not just the volume stats, which just is a testament to the fact that this guy never misses games. But – Knock on look, Right. <laughs> the, the underlying metrics, the targets per route, 25%, uh, 2.2 yards per route. Uh, those are excellent numbers and higher than, you know, some of the other years in, re, uh, you know, in the recent past where he's been even younger and, and with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, it, it's, it's, there's just nothing to suggest outside of him being, you know, 12 months older that we're going to see any type of change. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to rely on him, you know, just as much as ever, you know, you're never going to see uh, any of those other receivers, I think be a, a Tyreek Hill like presence uh, mm-hmm. in this chief offense, at least at this point. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with taking Kelsey there. It's going to burn somebody one day, one year. I, I don't think it's going to be this year. Yeah, and I said that um, even though maybe his physical traits might decline this year, the fact that he is paired with Patrick Mahomes, you know, the best quarterback in the league who's still ascending. I mean, you could say Patrick Mahomes hasn't even peaked yet. I think that could help offset any potential decline from Kelsey. It's just that Mahomes himself is actually still ascending. Yeah, and and Kelsey is like the Patrick Mahomes of tight end, so yeah, it's uh, it's a good combination. Uh, Mark Andrews is the the number two tight end, and he usually goes, you know, in in the third round at, at this point. There were times I think last year where he was going uh, in the second round. Usually see him go uh, in the third round now, middle of the third. Um, for Andrews, another guy, you know, the the underlying metrics last year were fine. His targets. Uh, per route rate actually increased from 24 to 25%. Uh, it was just the Ravens really weren't as pass heavy, especially with Huntley having to to start games mm-hmm. for Lamar. So where are you pegging Andrews? You know, we know he has the upside, but he came off a little bit of a disappointing season. Are you kind of splitting the difference? Uh, are you bullish on him? Are you bearish on him? What are you doing with with Mr. Uh, Mr. Andrews? Uh, I, I would say I'm neutral because like you mentioned, he is coming off a disappointing season. Um, a lot of that had to do with, he, he didn't score a touchdown after week six. Um, and you could blame that, you know, he had some shoulder and knee injuries where, you know, he probably wasn't hundred percent after that. Um, and he was without Lamar Jackson for the final six games. And oftentimes I would joke with you, like, uh, usually when Tyler Huntley was under center, Mark Andrews would ball out even more, but that, that wasn't the case last year. His production did drop off with Huntley in the lineup. So I think with, you know, Lamar back Andrews, you know, close to hundred percent health heading in the season that should help. Uh, the one thing that does concern me though, is, you know, his target share will certainly go down just because Rashad Bateman's back. Uh, Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers are now in the mix, 
but that that could be offset with just the fact that the Ravens will probably throw a lot more with Todd Munkin as offensive coordinator. So I think that kind of negates itself a bit. So I still have Mark Andrews in tier two all by himself, you know, not even close to Kelsey, but also, you know, comfortably ahead of a guy like TJ Hawkinson. So I still think Andrews should be the, you know, the second tight end off the board and where he's going. I, I think that's a fair price for him. Yeah. And, and a lot of tight ends, you know, the fantasy relevant ones, there's a couple guys that have talent that we're, t- that we're talking about now, Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, Hawkinson, uh, but routes and just volume still play a big factor because mm-hmm. a lot of these guys, they they don't have the same upside as, as wide receivers. Um, so it really comes down to being, to getting enough volume. Uh, and you look at Andrews last year and his routes per game, like raw routes per game were around 29, whereas the year before they were at 37. So he does have some room to play with if, if the Ravens just kind of go back to an average clip of throwing the ball, which as you mentioned, I think they will without with uh, Todd Munkin here. Cause the one thing they're talking about, they're probably going to use the fullback Wes, uh, you know, that mm-hmm. in itself is going to just open the offense up. And I think that's just kind of the goal, open the offense up. Lamar's never really had a truly wide open offense, even in years, his past attempts have been up a little, um, which was really just that 2021 season uh, to be honest. So um, yeah, I'm looking, I think Mark Andrews has that same upside that, you know, there's there are times where we were, you know, debating how close is Andrews to Travis Kelsey. I think mm-hmm. he still has that upside. And this year he actually has a good chance of hitting it because he's still young, still in his prime. But a lot of people are going to look at all these receivers and think is, you know, if he's going to get knocked for that and like he's going to get squeezed. But like I say, the top guys in an offense, they usually kind of their their usage kind of stays similar uh, as far as, you know, on a per route basis. Uh, so I think the, all those guys, while it's going to be a increased supporting cast and, you know, like a, a better supporting cast, I think all those guys are still going to be fighting for scraps behind Andrews yeah. who's going to get targeted, you know, 20, 25% of the routes he runs, uh, which is, which is very good for, uh, for a tight end. All right. Hawkinson. What, what do you, what do you think of Hawkinson? That, that's always been your boy. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of, you know, you mentioned Andrews kind of in a tier by himself, so Hawkinson's technically a tier three guy. I agree with that. I, I do have him number three. Um, I mean, there's a lot of upside here, right? Because he could essentially be their number two target. I mean, he was for mm-hmm. even last year. So uh, what are you doing with TJ here in this uh, in this tight end three range middle? You know, usually around the fifth round, he goes off the board. Yeah, I think he's worth it. He he is my tight end three. Uh, he was the tight end three in his 10 games with the Vikings last year. Uh, and it was crazy. His underlying metrics looked very similar to Travis Kelsey in those 10 games with the Vikings. Uh, he was targeted on 24% of his routes. Kelsey was 25% last year. Um, you know, Hawkinson averaged 8.6 targets a game. Kelsey, 8.9. Uh, both had an A dot of 7.7. So, you know, being compared to the greatest tight end in fantasy isn't bad. So I think the underlying metrics certainly support him, you know, maintaining this top three status. And he's going to get even more chemistry with Kirk Cousins and the offense as a whole by having a full offseason with the new team. Like, it, it's crazy how productive he was being traded, you know, midseason. Um, we've seen that a lot more lately, uh, but it's always fascinating how a player can just, you know, become so involved in the offense, learn the playbook right away. Uh, but I think having a full offseason off should help even more. And, you know, let's face it, he's always had the talent to be a top, you know, five, top three tight end. Um, and he finally landed in a spot where, you know, it's maximizing that. And I think being in this Vikings offense, he certainly, you know, warrants being taken as a third tight end off the board. 
Yeah. And I think the reason is, you know, you just kind of hit on it. Like he's, he's got another year in this offense. And I think what really held him back from doing even better last year was he only scored six touchdowns, three with the Vikings, uh, three with the Lions. I think there is an outlier TD season in his range of outcomes. Cause mm. remember Thielen, he had 30 touchdowns over these last three seasons and he's now in Carolina. So there's kind of an opening, obviously Jefferson is going to get his, but there is an opening for somebody to step up on the Vikings and be a double digit touchdown guy. Um, you know, their defense, it, it should be better than last year just because of Brian Flores, mm-hmm. but you know, they've had somewhat of an exodus of talent just because They've been cap strapped, so could see another high volume year for Hawkinson. But if he goes from six tight end, uh, six touchdowns, excuse me, to like twelve, uh, you know, or even ten, that's a big difference. And, and I think that's firmly within his, his range of outcomes. So that's why I like Hawkinson because I do, I do think he has that upside to challenge Chelsea, as you kind of alluded to. Yeah, and just those really nowhere you can really poke holes uh, in his game, and I would say like. Well, obviously the rest of the position you can, but certainly the next three tight ends, like they're, you know, they all kind of have a lower floor scenario. I just don't see that with Hawkinson. I I just think he has like an ideal high ceiling, high floor range of outcomes. So he's clearly my tight end three. Yeah. And I think the reason is that is I, I know I've been worried about George Kittle. Um, And, mm. you know, it sounds like you're kind of there, or at least, you know, the fact that, you know, cause I think, you know, going back even to last year, you know, a guy like Hawkinson over a guy like George Kittle, people would have kind of done a double take. But, you know, the the raw numbers, you know, the, the per game numbers, four catches, 51 yards, those are his lowest since his rookie year in 2017. He bailed himself out fantasy-wise. He bailed us out with 11 touchdowns in 15 games. And, and as you like to point out, he was the number one tight end in fantasy <laughs> yeah. with – Brock Purdy, but I still, I still am worried because the underlying metrics and the targets per route specifically, you know, 31, 28, 24, 18% last four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he doesn't get the touchdowns, he's it's an entirely different player. And, you know, it just might need to be that with McCaffrey here now. So what do you think, how are you kind of distributing the targets here and just kid will take a hit. Do you think uh, this year with, with McCaffrey now there for a full year? Yeah, yeah, I think he does take a hit with McCaffrey there for a full year. And just, you know, looking back at last season, it was really a tale of two halves of the season. So I don't like to look at his full season metrics. Um, you know, he he missed the first two games, then had a slow start. Um, but, you know, like you mentioned, he was the tight end one over the final six games of the season, which also happened to be the six games that Brock Purdy was under center. So that's I think that's great news for Kittle heading into this season because it looks like Purdy is going to be the quarterback when healthy. And I think as of now, you know, they're optimistic he'll be ready for week one. So I think that's the good news for Kittle. Um, but, you know, looking at that six-game stretch, three of those games, uh, Debo Samuel's out of the lineup, mm-hmm. um, which is going to, you know, have a impact on Kittle. Uh, but just this offense, there's so many mouths to the feed now with Chris McCaffrey there, Debo Samuel. I mean, Brandon Ayuk is legit in his own right. So uh, I think just Kittle – carries a lower weekly floor than all the other, you know, top five tight ends this year, because, you know, there's going to be some weeks where he's the odd man out. So I think he's going to be very volatile. You know, he's going to have those really big games, you know, hundred yards, two touchdowns and, you know, a dud two catches for 20 yards. So I think you just have to know that uh, when you draft him and that's probably what makes him better. I I would say in best ball formats, just that volatility, but yeah, I kind of agree. Like being the tight end four, 
I, I just don't think he provides that consistency. And he not that I'm really knocking him here, but he has, you know, missed a lot of time in the past due to injuries, you know, sometimes soft tissue. So he just does carry like a lower floor than you'd want from a tight end four. Um, so that's why I'm usually not targeting him in this range. Yeah, I, I think the ceiling in terms of the touchdowns he hit last year uh, with, with the help yeah. of Purdy. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping that people overrate those last six games and the fact that it's with, right. you know, Brock Purdy, uh, who, I, who I do have a lot of respect for as a quarterback. I think he showed showed out well last year, but we know to trust the underlying metrics like targets per route is a sticky metric, uh, especially when you run as many routes as Kittle. Um, so the fact that that goes from 24% to 18%, even with that big finish, uh, I think should worry us a little. And uh, it makes a lot of sense because you mentioned the guys, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, all three of those guys are legit guys that can will get targeted 20, 25% of their routes. You can only have, you know, you, only can, <laughs> you can only have so many of those guys on one team before guys start getting squeezed. And uh, yeah. it was Kittle last year. And, you know, he's, he's such an explosive guy over that middle of that field that a lot of times, you know, they end up, he ends up being used as a decoy. And then he's also a pretty good blocker. Um, so he's still banging around a lot in the run game. He'll even pass block um, more than you'd expect, you know, maybe for a guy of his stature, but um, yeah, I, I, that he's a guy I'm worried about. I feel a lot better about Hawkinson's floor because it's still early enough. You know, I, I say you can't lose your draft in the first five, six rounds. You don't want to mm. lose it. Um, you know, you can't win it, but you don't want to lose it. Uh, Kittle's kind of towing that line because I, I do think there's a big a drop off at wide receiver earlier and earlier as the market, you know, kind of sharpens up to the fact that you need, you know, three to four quality wide receivers uh, on your team now, just the way the, the league is and the way rules are. Um, so I think, you know, pass passing up on a potential wide receiver, you know, two or three for Kittle, I, I think is, is pretty risky this year. Mm-hmm. Dallas Goddard, he, he was very consistent last year, top 13, finish uh, all but two games that he played he played in 12 but he's another guy I mean you just wonder are, are there enough are there going to be enough pass attempts to go around and especially now with a, a guy like DeAndre Swift in the mix uh, he's yeah. likely going to be more involved in the pass game than was a, a player like Miles Sanders last year so what are you doing with Goddard who is the tight end five uh, but you know he's kind of in this like purgatory in, in my opinion yeah. on, the, on the board yeah, you know, I've always said he he had top five upside um, without Zach Ertz. So it wasn't a shock in the first season post Zach Ertz that he finished, you know, as the tight end five. Um, so he was the tight end five weeks one through 10 before missing the, the next uh, five games due to injury. So when healthy was the tight end five. Um, however, I do think that's probably his ceiling because you touched on it. You know, they, they already have A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith there. You know, they're going to command – their targets in a run heavy offense. But now we also have, you know, high volume pass catching back and DeAndre Swift, who I think would eat into Goddard's targets specifically. Um, so you mentioned he was consistent. That might, you know, make him a little bit more inconsistent, um, which would be a shame. So I, you know, I have him in the same tier as Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts. Um, and usually Goddard's the first one taken from that tier. And I, I always say, I don't like taking the first guy, drafted from a tier so um you know like i said i think tight end five sounds about right but that's closer to his ceiling so i'm not getting him as much this season um and this is this is kind of where the position kind of drops off like i was mentioning after the top three uh kind of opens up a bit um and just where goddard is going i'm just not getting him too much 
Yeah, I, I do have them closer to Kittle. Um, just because mm-hmm. you look at, for example, Goddard's per game numbers last year were better than Kittle. He had 4.6 catches per game uh, for about 59 yards. Now, the issue with Goddard was, unlike Kittle, who had 11 scores, uh, Goddard had only three. So there is some upside there, uh, but he's never been a big touchdown guy. His career high is actually five touchdowns. But we said that about Kittle, too. You know, uh, His career high prior to the 11 was six touchdowns. So I do think there's that kind of upside to where, you know, the touchdowns get redistributed and, and Goddard can go from three to 10. Um, so, I, so I kind of still put him in that uh, Kittle range because I think the per game numbers uh, are going to be a little bit similar. But, I, you know, Kittle still has more talent. Uh, and that's, you know, therefore, yeah. I think more high end upside. But, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't actually have too much differentiation between those two guys. Uh, and then, I think tight end six is pretty polarizing. It's Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. Uh, some places it's Kyle Pitts, but I, you know, I, I started the off season pretty well on Waller. Uh, I think I've kind of come around a little bit, you know, and I think we've got word now, Saquon Barkley, what's what exactly is going to happen with him. His availability availability is a bit in question because of, you know, the offer is not where he wants it to be. So um, that could make the Giants maybe a little more pass heavy, and it takes a pass catcher running back out of the equation if he misses any time. So, uh, what do you think about Waller here uh, going to the New York Giants for uh, for a third round pick? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good move for Waller. You know that the Giants don't have as many you know passing yards or touchdowns to go around as the Raiders, but um, he should see his eighteen percent targets per route run rate uh, go up. Uh, not having to play alongside. Devontae Adams and you know one of the puzzling things projecting the Giants is you know which one of their 100 wide receivers are going to be on the field but the good news is they can only have three wide receivers at most on the field at the same time so either way I think Waller will likely be you know Daniel Jones top target uh this year so you know I think that's going to give him a high floor uh and a high ceiling so I kind of like him at tight end six. The the only concern with Waller at this point is, you know, he's turning 31 and, you know, the past few seasons, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So I think, unfortunately, he has earned the injury prone label um, just because he hasn't been able to play through injuries that, you know, other guys have played through, uh, which is a concern. Um, so I have him, you know, in the same tier as Goddard uh, and Pitts. Um, and I, I typically like to get whoever falls at the bottom of that tier. And sometimes it's Waller, sometimes it's Pitts. Um, but I do think that that's kind of, um, you know, the third tier at tight end. And after that, if I'm in a redraft league, I'd be considering just, you know, streaming the position or getting Chig a bit later on. So it's, it's a critical part, uh, in my draft, um, you know, whether it's Waller or Pitts that makes it that far. Cause once both are off the board, um, I, I typically wait. Uh, until the later rounds grab a tight end so um yeah i like waller but he has to stay healthy and just you know he hasn't proven that uh the past few years yeah there's there's a wide range of outcomes you know the injury thing uh you know the age the the new offense in general just sometimes that doesn't always work out for pass catchers um it's not you know daniel jones obviously earned his contract but he's not elite so i I think there's Yeah. yeah the floor is pretty low it's another spot where I get it, you know, if you want to take that shot, and it, depending on your draft strategy, I think, you know, these guys that we're talking about now, uh, Kittle, Goddard, Waller, Pitts, if I'm going more of a zero running back strategy, that's where I think they come into play because 
you know, if you're going with, let's say, four wide receivers and a tight end in the first five rounds or, you know, five mm-hmm. in the first six, I think you do want to kind of take a shot at these guys in this next tier that could theoretically get up to that, you know, top tier, tier two, you know, tier one, one and a half, one B, whatever you call it, uh, in terms of tight end production. Uh, that these that's certainly what these guys have in a range of outcomes. But uh, if you're kind of drafting a little more traditionally mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you're only taking your wide receiver two or three in these spots, I don't know if I would pass on wide receiver two or three options. Um, you know, even, you know, even a, a solid flex option at, at, at one of those running, running back a wide receiver for a guy like uh, a Darren Waller, who I still think the floor uh, is pretty well. So when, when it comes to his usage in this offense, um, you know, last year he had an eight of 13.7. He was more of a deep threat, uh, made him a lot more volatile. Do you think, you know, the Giants want to use him more downfield or is he going to see more underneath targets, more volume? Like, how do you think they're going to use him? Because that, that's kind of the thing they've been lacking, right? Is more of a deep threat. And yeah. they have all these slot receivers. So is he going to be getting easy passes over the middle or is that going to push him to like a more – Ball like a, a Kyle Pitts kind of role. Um, I think it's the latter. Go, yeah, really? Okay. Yeah. That, because that I, would be a concern then. Yeah, because I mean, you're, that's going to naturally lead to a little more volatility. Uh, yeah. it, it's going to lead to more upside too. But again, at this point in the draft, and you're, you know, with him, you're starting to get to the sixth round, maybe into the seventh. So it's not, you know, there, you can start to take some risks there uh, when you're talking about Waller anyway. But yeah, you know, Slayton obviously is a deep ball guy. Looks like he's going to be in the mix. Uh, but you do still have, you know, Wando Robinson coming back at some point. You know, Shepard's yeah. still on the team. If he plays well, I don't think they, you know, I, I don't think they cut him either. Uh, and then Jalen Hyatt's like a wild card too. Uh, but, yeah, you have a lot of slot receivers. <laughs> I don't know if Waller gets like the TJ Hawkinson treatment where, he, you know, he averaged like six yards a target. He was just getting – peppered with targets so exactly uh there is a low floor but at the same time he he could be their wide receiver one and you know there's always a high ceiling and being that that top target he could go back to being a, a target high getting targeted closer to a quarter of his routes like he was uh, the last couple years before uh, 2022 Kyle Pitts is the tight end seven so Waller's passed him in, in some ADPs uh really his issue with last year was he didn't get many catchable targets only 52 mm-hmm. percent according to a PFF that's down from 66% the year before. So I think he has some upside to bounce back. What do you think uh, of Pitts heading into year three? Yeah, no, I, I think he, look, he's still a generational talent. Uh, still 22 years old has all the upside. Just the reason he's been a disappointment is just, you know, due to the scheme injuries, you know, more things outside of his control. But last season, you know, he saw a massive 26.5%, you know, target, uh, rate so that's great uh, but like you mentioned he only caught 50 percent of the targets because unfortunately they're more downfield you know at an a dot of 13.7 which doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing it depends who your quarterbacks are but like you said you know not many of them are catchable so that's that's not a good combo um, and unfortunately we haven't really seen him play in a regular season game with Desmond Ritter yet um, and Desmond Ritter uh, had the fourth worst catchable ball rate on passes 20 plus yards downfield. So again, not a good sign just based on how they're using pits. Um, but, you know, he could break out this year, uh, especially if they start peppering him with more underneath targets, you know, getting him, you know, some easy catches, I think that'll help. Um, so we, we need them to kind of, you know, change the scheme around a little bit, but I, I do think he's going at a 
point now where I think it is worth, you know, taking a flyer on, especially since, you know, he's at the end of this tier. Um, Like I said, I kind of like to have a tight end once this tier is off the board. If not, you know, I'll take a guy later on, no problem. Um, But I think that he still has that top five upside could happen this year. So I think getting him at tight end seven right now uh, is a pretty good deal. Yeah, I I think there's only so many guys with the talent that he has. Now, we know the Falcons are probably going to be a run-heavy team, but that's kind of the issue with all these tight ends. I mean, Kittle's on a run-heavy team. Goddard, even the Eagles, you know, they still trend run-heavy. The Giants, uh, you know, there's not not as many attempts to go around either. Uh, I don't know if we would call them run-heavy, but uh, they're definitely kind of in that in that category more than the op- the, the opposite. And, uh, you know, Pitts as well uh, is in that kind of category. So all of these guys have this upside to kind of get to that, you know, that tier right after Kelsey. Or, I mean, Pitts even has – Pitts has the talent to get to Kelsey's tier, yeah. but the volume probably not going to be there uh, with the Falcons. But, you, you know, there is some room to grow in the touchdown department. He's only had three in his first two years in the league. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, again, it really depends on, on your draft strategy and, and, you know, how much risk you really want to take on a tight end. If you don't get one of the top ones, um, I prefer to do it a lot more when I'm kind of, you know, going zero RB and I'm just trying to, you know, get as much pass catching upside as possible early on. And I'm just going to take whichever running backs fall. Um, I'm usually a lot more willing to do it, but Pitts is dropping in ADP. And you mentioned like the last guy in a tier, you know, is it, is it Pitts or, you know, or do these guys in the next year, like does Evan Ingram, like how close is Evan Ingram, for example, who's going as a tight end eight, how close do you put him to that, the tier of, you know, Kittle, Goddard, Waller, Pitts uh, that we, that we just talked about? Uh, honestly, he's probably closer than people think. <laughs> um, I, I do like Evan Ingram. Um, unfortunately, this is always just the time where I, I'm punting a tight end. And by the way, what wouldn't it just be easier if you take Travis Kelsey with the fifth pick overall? I mean, <laughs> yeah. my God, uh, that's what, <laughs> one of the blessings of taking Kelsey fifth overall is just not having to deal with this shit. So um, I do like Evan Ingram and, you know, he was the tight end too from weeks 13 through 18 last year. And I always mention if you watch those games, he absolutely looked like it too. Uh, he had the second most yards after the catch last season. Um, and you know, sometimes that can be lucky, but if, if you look at next gen stats, they have expected yards after the catch, uh, and he had the third highest. So I think that had just to do with the scheme. They, they were opening him up, uh, for plenty of yards after the catch. Um, not too surprising because Doug Peterson has always had, you know, tight end friendly schemes. So I, I love the situation Ingram is, and in. maybe it took him, you know, half season to get up to speed in it, but he and Trevor Lawrence were on the same page. The only really concern I have is, you know, you're injecting a pretty good wide receiver and Cal Ridley into this offense. So I think he is going to take away some of the target share um, from Ingram. But so, you know, tight end eight, that's a fair price for him. Um, I, I don't know how much more upside he provides um, in this offense with Cal Ridley there. But um, again, if you wait at tight end, you get Evan Ingram at tight end eight. I think that's fair. And to, to be honest, I only have him, you know, five points lower than like a Dallas Goddard and you can get him much later. So that's kind of what I was saying is I, I'm not really reaching at Goddard at tight end five. That's closer to the ceiling when you can get Evan Ingram way later. Uh, and I only have him projected for five fewer points this season. So, um, you know, he, he's definitely, you know, smack dab in that mid tight end one range of outcomes. So I actually do like Evan Ingram this year. Yeah. And I, I think his upside is going to come from, 
not necessarily being any more efficient or, you know, cause he, he, he balled out last year, but I think it's going to come from the fact that the Jaguars probably have a lot more volume upside than a lot of those other guys, you know, Trevor Lawrence average yeah. about 34 to 35 pass attempts his first two years in the league, but that, especially with Calvin Ridley there, Lawrence could be one of those guys that's in that 38 to 40 range. Uh, and that's, that's going to be a positive for Ingram, and the Jaguars, they really didn't sub out. You know, they, they had their kind of top guys on the field. You know, it was Ingram. It was the top three receivers. You figure that will happen again. So if Ingram's routes go up, uh, the raw numbers will follow. So he's kind of more of – he's a little more dependent, I think, something like that. So, yeah, tight end eight is fair uh, for him. But yeah, not a, still not a spot where I'm loving uh, loving the value here because I think every time you go down another spot, you're like, there's just not as much separation. The number nine tight end is Pat Fryermuth. Uh, he did make jumps from his first to second year, uh, targeted further downfield. The targets per route went from about 20 to 22%. The yards per route uh, from about 1.3 to 1.7. So we saw the, the jumps, but I think he's, he's kind of got the opposite problem of Engram where similar kind of, um, you know, underlying metrics, but the Steelers, I mean, Matt Canada came out and said that we don't want, they don't want me to open the offense up. Like we want to just be a defense kind of defensive first team. So um, what do you think of Fryer Muth here at tight end nine? Uh, yeah, that's honestly, again, probably closer to the ceiling. Now he, he probably should be a top 10 uh, tight end off the board. You know, he's very talented. He's still only 24 entering year three. I was always saying he was getting overlooked. Um, in the 2021 draft, just because Kyle Pitts stole the spotlight. If if Kyle Pitts wasn't in this class, you know, Pat would have been the top uh, tight end drafted, would have had a lot more hype, but he was really good. Um, and, you know, George Pickens gets a ton of hype, rightfully so, heading into year two. But, you know, Firemuth is technically the number two target in this offense. Um, and there were some weird stretches last year where, uh, you know, Pat's Restaurant rate dipped uh, like in the mid fifties, they were using a very weird, I don't think Matt Canada is a very good coordinator. Uh, so I was disappointed that he's staying there. Uh, but all other games, you know, he had very solid underlying metrics. You know, he's typically averaging a 75 to 80% routes run rate, uh, saw a 23% target rate, but unfortunately there just weren't many yards or touchdowns to go around. So uh, he will benefit if Kenny Pickett can make a significant year two leap. So if you think that's going to happen, uh, you should be drafting uh, Pat Firemuth, but you know that's not a guarantee. So I, I think tight end nine is fair, um, and I don't think Darnell Washington will have too much of an impact year one, but there's still a chance. So I think he could kind of represent uh, Pat's floor. You know, if they start getting Darnell Washington thirty percent routes a game, that could eat into Pat's role. But um, I, I think tight end nine is fair. I'm just not going out of way my way to get him. Yeah, because he's a guy where. I look at it and I say, if he's finishing higher, if he's beating this ADP, it's probably more so because something went wrong with one of those top eight guys than Friar Moose, you know, doing something com that different mm -hmm. from uh, a season ago. I think, you know, he had the big jump from year one to year two. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of where he's, he's going to land closer to, you know, last year's numbers underlying uh, wise, but uh, it's not going to be a, a big pass heavy team. Pickens could make a pretty big jump mm -hmm. in terms of his his production, and that even that something like that could take away uh, from Fryer Moose because Fryer Moose, yeah, he was the number two target, but with the the way wide receivers are kind of making these jumps year one to year two, uh, it could be a lot closer uh, this year. 
uh, in terms of of how the targets break down. Titan Ten's a guy, you know, we both love. Uh, he's a guy that I've been trying to get on all my teams. His his cost is coming up, so hopefully you guys <laughs> heard me all off season talking about this guy. But Chigakonkwo entering year two, I just I, I I just love the player. You know, just so explosive. One of those guys that you know he doesn't get talked about in that talent range with with some of those guys higher on the list. But I think if anyone does have the upside to be talked about that like that in a couple of years, uh, maybe even as soon as this year, it's him. You know, twenty targeted on twenty six percent of his routes. Uh, 2.6 yards per route run only played on a third uh, of the snap. So just a massive room to grow uh, for him in, in terms of, you know, what we've seen out of him, the talent. Um, so, so what do you think of him? Uh, he's up to tight end 10 now. So, you know, his, his number, his price is going up. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's, it's a damn shame, you know, that his ADP continues to climb. The market is very sharp when it comes to chick this year. I think when we started talking about him, he was what tight end, 18, 16. Yeah. He was in the, yeah, that mid, that 15, 16. Then he kind of inched up to like right outside the top 12. And now he's yeah. inside it. I mean, he should be a top 10 tight end. So now that he's tight end 10, you know, that's a fair price. But he he still has a ton of upside. Uh, you know, he came on late in his rookie season. And, the you know, the only thing really holding him back was playing time. Uh, the only stretch where he saw, you know, routes run rate over 50% was weeks 13 through 15 and he was the tight end two over that stretch so uh you know he saw the 25.5 percent target rate um and with austin hooper gone you know his routes run rate i think will be in that 60 to 70 percent range which is more than enough just based on his underlying metrics uh to get him in that top 10 range but you know the sky's the limit when it comes to him um the the only i guess concern i would have and i i don't really know if this is likely but just where deandre hopkins lands i know the titans are still you know floating some offers out there so if he were to land there it would ding him a bit but um you know he still would have plenty of upside even if that were to be the case so i think tight end 10 is a fair price it's just it's crazy how sharp the adp has gotten like the market uh figured chig out uh and it's very unfortunate yeah and and his upside i think does come from the fact that you know, he, he should be on the field a lot more. I know I, I've seen, you know, the, the coaching staff kind of talk about they wanted more guys that weren't going to kind of give away, whether it's pass or run. You know, in the past, they've had all these tight ends on the roster, but, you know, they had certain guys that they like for blocking more. Uh, Okonkwo, you know, guys uh, like Hooper that they like for receiving more. Swain that they like for blocking more. Okonkwo, you know, he can he can do uh, a little bit of both. Obviously much better as a receiver, but I, I think, you know, based on what they got behind him at the position – that he's going to mm. play uh, pretty much, you know, all the downs. Like he's going to kind of go into be uh, going to be a full time player this year. So that there's a lot of upside in that. There's even more upside if there is a isn't a guy like Hopkins because now you're talking about Chig with the the possibility to be the number two or even the number one target mm-hmm. if he takes a massive jump. So yeah, you know, Tennessee is now the favorite to land Hopkins. So uh-huh. um, that is something to mm-hmm. to to pay attention to. And I think because his price is kind of peaked right now on best ball. Uh, I would, I would kind of weigh off him now and season long. I still, I still like him. I still think he should be absolutely one of the the top 12 tight ends drafted. But um, if you're, t- if you're talking about best ball leagues right now, you, you've been drafting or even you're just starting to draft like the price, the price is probably at closer to its ceiling. And if Hopkins signs, which he's again, the Tennessee has moved into the, being the favorite, 
uh, you know, I think his 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 projection only goes down, and thus his ADP should only go down. So I'm not buying right now. I've yeah. bought already. I'm not buying right now. And then once we get clarity mm-hmm. on, on on the Hopkins situation, we'll kind of make a determination of, of exactly uh, where you know where he should end up ADP wise as as the season uh, you know heads into August. That's that's probably the best um, outcome. I think is Titans sign Hopkins. We get Chig's ADP back outside of the top right. 15, and then we start reinvesting in them. Because, honestly, with Hopkins there, he he's going to command plenty of attention from the defense. That could open up Chig even more. Like, Chig's not a guy that necessarily needs eight catches in a game <laughs> to hit value. You know, just a few big plays and having Hopkins there, that could be even more likely. So, yeah, hopefully Hopkins signs there and we can get Chig back outside the top 15. David Njoku, he's been the guy to take the hit, you know, with with with, with Chig going up, Evan Ingram moving yeah. up. So Njoku's down to tight end eleven. Um, you know, what do you what do you think of him? Obviously, Deshaun Watson wasn't quite himself. There was a lot of Jacoby Brissett. Now, the thing I found interesting was that uh, small sample, obviously, but his tar- yards per target was about nine with Brissett and only uh, about six with uh, <laughs> with Deshaun Watson. So he like yeah. Watson was pretty good to. You know, better with there were the wide receivers, Cooper and DPJ. He was really good with Najoku. The, the the efficiency wasn't there as much with the yardage. Uh, what do you what do you think of him heading into uh, this year? Yeah, no, I've always liked Joku, and last year he he finally had his career year in terms of targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns per game. So he was the tight end ten in points per game. We all we all knew he had top ten upside once he was the undisputed number one tight end, which last year was the first time we could say that. So he ran around over 80% of the time in eight of his 14 games he played. Um, So he has, you know, the upside with that kind of usage uh, to go off and be a top 10 tight end. Um, The one concern I do have is just Elijah Moore might eat into his target share a bit. Um, But if Deshaun Watson does return to form this season, um, you know, then that's the scenario where Joku could be pushing top five upside. Uh, so again, if you're bullish on Watson heading into the season, um, definitely, you know, you want to pair him up with David Joku. Uh, but tight end 11 seems right. I, I would still lean Chig over him. So I think the, the ADP just really got sharpened up and that's that's right about where I would have it. But if he's sitting there at, you know, tight end 11, he he does carry a high ceiling floor combo that I like, but um, it, it just got lined up perfectly to get him exactly there. Um, but yeah, I, I do think he still has that top 10 upside for sure. Yeah. He's just the guy that, you know, if I'm drafting, I wait on tight end, he falls to me, you know, everyone else taking their tight end. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine with it. I'm not really going out of my way to draft David Njoku this year though, where, as you mentioned, he could right. potentially be the the fourth or, you know, and you also have Chubb there. So even, you know, the Chubb has never been a, a receiving kind of back. But, you know, there's still the potential for Njoku to be the fourth option uh, in yeah. this offense if DPJ continues to play well uh, and more bounces back from, you know, the debacle that was Zach Wilson uh, on his career uh, over these last couple of years. Uh, and then Don Schultz, he's the tight end 12. Um, you know, he got about $6 million guaranteed. I do think this Texans offense w- will be better than it has been. And there's no real true – I know Nico Collins is is kind of that guy that, that, that we're expecting – but there's there is some target upside in this offense. It's kind of you don't know. Is it Woods? You know, is it you know is a, yeah. is a young guy like Dell gonna emerge? So um, is you kind of have Schultz in that twelve range, or is this this kind of other guys that you'd rather have uh, as that last startable you know ranked tight end in in, in one tight end weeks? 
Yeah, I, I have Schultz at 12. Just it's he's tricky because, you know, I always say he was a stud, you know, for the Cowboys, but he's never been the most athletic or, you know, talented tight end. So I think he did just take advantage of being in a good offense. He had really good chemistry with Dak. Um, and sometimes when you have a tight end like that and they go to a new team, they struggle. So there's a chance Schultz could struggle with the Texans. But like you alluded to, <laughs> I don't know. The fact that we're saying Nico Collins might be the number one target. Uh, is saying something it, it probably will be Schultz um, so he could have a very high floor um, so I think he has a wide range of outcomes and you know to his credit last season he was playing through a, a painful PCL injury um, so you know a lot of his stats you have to consider that he wasn't 100% for much of the season so I think he's one of those players that should bounce back health-wise this season so I think that's going to help him a lot um, so I have him tied in 12 I don't think he offers as much upside as some of the guys I love just outside the top 12. Uh, so it seems like a fair price. Like if he's like a safety in that play, you just want someone safe, but I don't really do that once you get towards tight end 12. So he's not a guy I'm really, uh, you know, reaching for, but um, yeah, he very well could be the the top target in this offense or, you know, he could struggle uh, in this scheme. So he, he's a guy I'm kind of polarized on. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to draft him. And he's a guy I'm really probably not going to get much of because I do think he was a product of the, you know, we talked about Kellen Moore has been running the Cowboys at a super fast pace. Mm -hmm. uh, their passing volume has been very high. Um, guys have been missing time for the Cowboys at, at wide receiver over the last couple of years. Uh, Gallup hasn't been healthy. Um, so, you know, a lot of the numbers were kind of a product of the offense. I do think the Texans will be a lot better. I don't necessarily know if Dalton Schultz is going to be, uh, you know, uh, a beneficial, a beneficiary of that just compared to where he's going. So he's, he, he is tight end 12 barely, but, you know, we'll talk about some guys right now that we like that. I think you could make just as big of a case for us. And that's why I'm not drafting Schultz. I don't, yeah. I don't really think the value is there, but give me somebody outside the top 12 uh, that you, that you like that, you know, kind of could be an alternative to somebody if they're, if they're kind of faced with drafting uh, Schultz. Well, I'm not going very far outside of the top 12 because my favorite tight end outside of the top 12 is tight end 13, yeah. Greg Dulcich. Uh, I I have just been super high on Dulcich um, from day one. You know, he, he wasn't able to suit up until week six of his rookie season. You know, he missed most of training camp, missed the entire preseason as a rookie. So it was just very impressive for him to just hit the ground running uh, as a rookie. So I think he's going to be even better near two. Um, you know, get more chemistry with Russ Wilson. Uh, hopefully, you know, new head coach Sean Payton can, you know, get Russ Wilson to bounce back this year. That's only going to help Dulcich. But, you know, Dulcich was the tight end 10 over, uh, you know, week six to week 16 when he was a full-time starter. So um, we've already seen that he has top 10 upside, but I think there's even more. Uh, you know, 16 of his 55 targets last year were uncatchable. Uh, and it was just maddening watching Broncos games, just Russ Wilson completely missing Dulcich wide open over the middle of the field. I, I felt like Dulcich could have had an even better season. So again, hopefully Sean Payton can repair Russell Wilson, but even if not, you know, we've already seen Dulcich has top 10 upside. So I love, you know, getting Dulcich at tight end 13 still, uh, you know, his, his tight end, uh, his ADP is creeping up, but again, I, I really do think uh, he should be closer to the top 10 this year. Yeah, I love the talent. I'm still I'm still a little skeptical just because they have other guys that, you know, are going to factor in at the position. So, you know, my I do see like I do see the floor of 
he is he's still more of kind of like a passing game specialist and Sean Payton and his offenses have been weird with tight ends at time in terms of the 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 total route so I, I do think there's a possibility his routes might go down uh his price is going up but again in most leagues you're talking about you're just taking a, a flyer on him at this point um you yeah. know if you, if you miss out on those top guys so I, I can't really knock it I think I would rather take dosage a little bit later uh than a guy like Dalton Schultz so um I can't really knock it there uh, uh, but my guy is, is is Tyler Higby, who's a couple spots lower, usually tight around tight end 16. Uh, I know Cooper Cup is coming back, but I still think there's a chance Tyler Higby could be the, the number two target in this offense because Van Jefferson is more of a, a downfield, lower percentage route runner kind of player. Higby was targeted on 24% of his routes last season, which is very, very good. Uh, that's on par with guys like Mark Andrews, with guys like Hawkinson, uh, so, you know, I, I do think there's some upside here because the Rams defense is not going to be as good, in my opinion, as it's been in years past with the mass exodus uh, of talent that they were kind of forced to deal with due to the cap uh, situation. So uh, Higby put up about four, four and a half catches over seven targets in Stafford's nine starts last year, most of which Cup was was, was there for. So uh, I, I do like Higby as a sneaky option. Uh, just hanging around in that in the, the mid, you know, tight end 15-ish range. I, I like Higby a lot to, to sneak into the top 12 as well. Oh, yeah. No, I love Tyler Higby. I, I still think he's being sleeped on. He's always a value, but I think this year he really is. And a lot of that is just, yeah, he's probably going to be the number two target. And really the the wide receiver two and wide receiver three slots for the Rams has been de- deteriorating over the past several seasons. So the days of Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, and Robert Woods – are over now. Now we have Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, and like Ben Skoranek. So I think that only helps Higby, and you know his target share is going to go up this year. So yeah, I think he's definitely getting sleeped on. I have him as my tight end thirteen right now. Actually, I'm super high on as well. Yeah, he's at, he's my tight end thirteen too. Yeah, so yeah. Um, uh, I'm 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 in on some Tyree Higby. It's not sexy. It's not sexy. Right. But, uh, Get yeah, the job there. done. You're just you know you're drafting the tight end late. So uh, yeah, the- no, he's he, he's always he's always been like one of my favorite. High-end tight end twos. And then, uh, you know, I'll, I'll close it up by, you know, we, we I know, you know, there's a, there's rookies. Uh, there's a couple of rookies mm-hmm. that uh, are kind of going, they're, they're outside the top 12, but I think people, especially in, in basketball, are going to be considering them. Um, I, I know you like uh, Laporta a lot and you like Kincaid uh, as well. And which one of those guys do you think, you know, provides more value? The Laporta is going tight end 22 and Kincaid is, uh, tight end uh, 16, uh, 15, it looks like at the moment. Yeah, no, obviously, you know, Kincaid has top 15 upside. I think he's being drafted um, right about where he should be. Um, I have him as my tight end 16, but I do think Laporta specifically is going a bit low at tight end 22, um, just because he he really could be the number two target in the Lions offense, um, especially in the first six game uh when Jamison's out and honestly once Jamison's back Laporta still could be the number two uh target in this offense so they they really you know they needed somebody to replace TJ Hawkinson Laporta already replaced Hawkinson once at Iowa uh once Hawkinson declared for the draft so I think Laporta is going to fill in right away here Uh, and I I think Laporta has a ton of upside um he should be able to be one of those rookies early on like a Greg Dulcich like he does give me those kind of vibes so I think uh, where he's going, I think Laporta at tight end 22 uh, definitely has the most value. 
Yeah, I think he's on the upswing. And I think, you know, guys like uh, Gerald Everett, uh, Juwan Johnson, even might, 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 uh, Dawson Knox, I think guys like that are going to struggle yeah. to hit their ADP. So some of these guys, uh, you know, Laporta, Kincaid, uh, you're going to see there uh, a little closer to, to the top 12 than, than you might think, because just because I think some of the guys, some of those other guys are being a little bit overdrafted. Where are you uh, ranking uh, Kincaid right now? Uh, if we, I believe I have them right in that same range, like 15, 16. I, I do yeah. think the Bills are going to play a lot more uh, two tight end kind of sets in in uh, with Kincaid lined up more in the as a slot receiver, exactly because right? they yeah. want to make defenses kind of declare, you know, what okay, you know, are you going to leave a nickel on the field or or, or what? So. Um, yeah, I, I think Kincaid, and at the same time, you know, it's it's still it's still iffy. We still, you know, the Bills wanted to do that last year, and you know, they they did it. They didn't really get to do it as much. So uh, he could be a year away from true fantasy relevance, but um, you know, always taking a shot on talent, especially on a a, a team yeah. like the Bills with a good offense. Uh, I don't mind it, but yeah, I think Laporta definitely is the better value uh, among the rookies uh, because it's kind of a a, a mix of. Okay, he has the opportunity, he has the talent. The, the, the ADP is not too high, and then with uh, Kincaid, the ADP might be a little high. With and then with guys like Luke Musgraves, you know, who could start. Uh, you know, you mm, could, yeah, there's just a lot of uncertainty because you got the quarterback situation. You also got the, another tight end in Kraft. Uh, you know, same thing for a guy like Schoonmaker in Dallas. Like, there's just not as much uh, guaranteed as far as the role. So I think Laporta is kind of that sweet spot uh, yeah. among these rookies. All right, that is going to wrap it up for our tight end episode. Uh, our running back one and two episodes are already out. Uh, we'll drop our wide receiver one episode uh, later next, and then we'll keep going with wide receiver after that. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore oddsmaker, me at Chris Raybond. Write those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app, and be sure to check our 2023 fantasy rankings on actionnetwork.com. Those are live right now. Until next time, let's get this money. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.